It feels like we're all being told to go on this diet, take that supplement. Ozempic will give you depression, but you know what'll cure that? Weed. Or you could try to balance your hormones. At Science Versus, we're like, what the f*** is going on? Forget the crap online and listen to Science Versus. Just the facts. Oh, and a bunch of stupid jokes. What is a ghost's favorite fruit? Booberries. That's Science VS. New season out on Spotify soon. Nova Baumgartner needed a break. Her family restaurant had been busy all morning. Some days it felt like every single one of Silverton's 2,000 residents showed up for breakfast. When things had slowed down, she told her sister Leona that she was ducking out for a few minutes. Nova undid her apron and squeezed through the bustling dining area towards the front door. The February air was cool as she stepped into the Oregon sunshine. Nova was grateful for the break. It was hard work running a busy cafe, but she could only relax for a few minutes before going back inside. Customers would be wanting to pay their bill and get on with the day. As she turned back towards the door, a flash of brown and white fur caught her eye. It was a muddy dog hobbling towards her on the sidewalk. Despite its haggard appearance, she could tell that it was a collie. Her own family had owned one until it had been lost some six months earlier. Remembering her dog, Nova felt tears sting her eyes. Taking pity on the poor, lonely creature, she waited for it to reach her so she could give it a scratch behind the ears, just like her old dog Bobby had loved. The dog noticed Nova waiting. It picked up the pace, wagging its bobtail in excitement as it limped toward her. When she spotted the stumpy tail, Nova felt her breath catch in her chest. She crouched down, and the dog ran to her, ignoring whatever pain it felt. It put its paws on her shoulders and began licking her face with abandon. Nova looked into the dog's eyes and knew that the impossible had happened. Her lost dog had come home at last. Welcome to Dog Tales, a podcast original. Every week, we tell the stories of historic, heroic canines. We'll profile dogs who saved people from earthquakes, went to outer space, and even spurred the invention of Velcro. If you're looking for fun stories and a warm heart, you're barking up the right tree. I'm your host, Alastair. You can find episodes of Dog Tales and all other podcast originals for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. To stream Dog Tales for free on Spotify, just open the app and type Dog Tales in the search bar. At Parcast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at Parcast and Twitter at Parcast Network. And if you enjoyed today's episode, the best way to help is to leave a five-star review wherever you are listening. This week, we're telling the story of Bobby, a collie from Silverton, Oregon, who journeyed over 2,000 miles across America to return to his beloved family. His extraordinary journey earned him the title, Bobby the Wonder Dog.
On a brisk March morning in 1921, Frank Brazier, his wife Elizabeth, and Elizabeth's two daughters arrived at a farm just outside of Silverton. They were there to choose a collie puppy to take home to their own farm property. They needed a dog that would make a great pet and be helpful in the fields. The man selling the Scotch Collie English Shepherd Mix puppies proudly displayed the small litter. Just two little dogs running around a small enclosure. Of the two, one puppy seemed more energetic and friendly than the other. Elizabeth's youngest daughter, Nova, was instantly taken with him. The young woman laughed at the way his bobbed tail wagged frantically back and forth. She was only too happy to let him climb onto her lap and deliver kisses to her face. It was clear that this was the dog for the Brazier family. <laughs> After they brought their new pet home, they gave him the name Bobby for his naturally short tail. Bobby took well to life at the Brazier farm. He spent most of his time accompanying his family around the fields while they tended to the crop. But he also proved to be a natural herder. According to Frank, he began to herd the farm's horses, cats, and even the people. It seems here that Bobby's English Shepherd heritage was kicking in. Shepherds have a natural herding instinct and will sometimes exercise that on their human families. When he wasn't romping in the field, he spent time playing with the family's other dog, an elderly fox terrier named Toodles. This excitable energy got Bobby into trouble here and there. In his first year on the farm, he earned some scars after run-ins with the back hoof of a horse and the wheel of a tractor. One day, during his enthusiastic pursuit of a gopher, Bobby chipped a couple of his teeth. But injuries weren't going to slow the enthusiastic young pup down. Indeed, nothing seemed to dampen Bobby's exuberant spirit. Until the braziers made the choice to give up their farm. Frank and Elizabeth had decided to open a restaurant in Silverton and felt it best to leave Bobby behind. Although they loved Bobby like a member of the family, they knew that a busy town just wasn't the best place for a high-energy working dog. And so, Bobby was sold to the Petersons, the family who took over the farm. Though it broke the braziers' hearts to leave their beloved collie behind, Frank felt Bobby would be happiest where he could work and roam each day. Bobby watched his family drive away, leaving him alone on the farm without any friends to comfort him. Toodles had died recently, and he wasn't on the friendliest terms with the rest of the farm's animal residents. Bobby howled through the night, crying out for his family. But he didn't have time to grieve the separation. The next morning was business as usual, back to the busy life of a farm dog. The Petersons did their best to keep Bobby busy, hoping to help him find some happiness with his new family. But after just a few days of living without the braziers, Bobby had had enough. That morning, he slipped out of the farmhouse and ran away. By the time the Petersons even noticed he was gone, Bobby 
had already followed his nose all the way into Silverton. The young collie was excited. He had spent his life on a farm full of the sights and smells of animals. Now, here was an entire landscape full of new scents to discover. His tail wagged happily as he trotted through the streets of the small but busy town. Locals didn't recognize the dog, but he wore a collar. They assumed he wasn't far from home. Already, Bobby was proving to be adept at making his way in unfamiliar landscapes. He wandered the streets of Silverton, sniffing his way along the sidewalk until he zeroed in on a particularly familiar scent. He turned onto the town's bustling main street, weaving between busy pedestrians. The smell led him all the way to the door of a restaurant, the Café Rio. He strolled in through the open door, wagging his tail at the sound of Nova's voice sailing across the room at him. She cried out when she caught sight of her beloved dog and rushed towards him. The braziers were overjoyed to be reunited with Bobby and hurried to embrace him. The reunion, however, was short-lived. After the family spent a little quality time with him, Frank decided to return Bobby to the Petersons. But now, Bobby knew exactly where his family was. Even after Frank brought him back to the farm, he refused to be separated from the braziers. So began a routine for the faithful collie. He would work on the farm for a few days, then take himself into town to visit his family. He would often stay with the braziers in Silverton for a night or two before heading back to the farm. Frank knew that this arrangement wasn't fair to the Petersons or to Bobby. He eventually offered to buy the dog back, paying triple what they had sold him for just a few months earlier. It was expensive, but Bobby was worth every penny. At home with his family once more, Bobby settled into life in Silverton. He became a fixture at the Café Rio and was well known to its regular customers. Life was happy and peaceful. In the summer of 1923, two-year-old Bobby's steady routine was interrupted with exciting news. Frank announced that he and Elizabeth would be taking a cross-country road trip to visit family and friends. Leona and Nova would stay in Silverton to manage the cafe. Bobby, however, would join in the grand adventure. And so, on August 9th, suitcases were packed into the family's bright red Overland Redbird, the tank was filled with gas, and the trio were off. They were headed east from Oregon all the way to Ohio. On the long journey, Bobby got plenty of fresh air and exercise. He remained outside the car, but was permitted to perch atop the luggage at the car's rear or ride on the vehicle's wide runner boards. Both positions allowed the energetic dog to jump down if he was restless and explore freely along the journey. In 1923, the car wasn't driving fast enough that Bobby couldn't keep up when he jumped off to run. Six days and some 2,300 miles after leaving home, Frank, Elizabeth and Bobby drove into the town of Walcott, Indiana on August 15, 1923. On their way through Walcott, 
Frank pulled the Redbird into a gas station. The braziers had friends in the area and were planning to stop and visit them before continuing to their relatives in another town. Once the car came to a halt, Bobby jumped down from his perch and put his nose straight to the ground. Frank paid him little attention as he saw to the gas pump. Still in the car, Elizabeth consulted the map, anxious to see how much further they had to drive. Neither of the braziers noticed Bobby's ever-widening circle taking him away from the car. They were accustomed to their dog wandering a little when they stopped to stretch their legs or take in the view. There was no need to worry. He always came when called. The gas tank was just about full when Frank and Elizabeth heard a cacophony of barking, snarling, and yelping. Both knew immediately that something was wrong and looked around for Bobby. They spotted him running away from the gas station, tailed by a small pack of dogs. They both called out to Bobby. They whistled and clapped their hands, trying anything to get his attention. But it seemed Bobby couldn't hear them or was perhaps too scared to obey commands. To their relief, Bobby was faster than his pursuers. The braziers waited at the gas station for a few minutes, hoping that Bobby would make his way back to them once he had outrun the other dogs. But he never showed up. After a while, they decided to continue on to their friend's home. Bobby couldn't possibly stay lost for long. How wrong they were. Coming up, the search for Bobby begins. Now, back to the story. In 1923, Frank and Elizabeth Brazier took their two-year-old collie dog, Bobby, with them on a cross-country road trip. Unfortunately, Bobby was chased away from the car by a pack of aggressive dogs in the town of Wolcott, Indiana. Certain that he would be okay, the Braziers decided to come back for him later that day. For years, Bobby had always turned up wherever his family was. The Braziers continued on to a friend's home, where they unpacked the car and started to catch up. Frank was restless, though. He imagined Bobby waiting at the gas station, afraid his family had abandoned him. But when Frank returned to the gas station a few hours later, Bobby was nowhere to be found. He started driving around Walcott, calling out for his dog. Part of him worried that Bobby may have been injured during his brush with the pack. As the sun splashed watercolor hues across the sky, Frank regretfully gave up the search and turned back to give Elizabeth the news. Bobby was lost, but they weren't giving up on him. The next morning, Frank and Elizabeth were up before dawn. They were determined to find Bobby. If they returned home without him, it would break their daughter's hearts. The braziers walked through Wolcott, asking locals if they'd seen a collie with a bobbed tail. But sunset came on that second day, and no one in town remembered seeing Bobby at all. Hoping to reach as many people as possible, Frank placed an advertisement in the local newspaper. Frank and Elizabeth spent a few more days in Wolcott looking for Bobby. 
when they couldn't stretch their stay any further, they continued on their journey to Ohio. They planned to drive back through Walcott on their way home. Surely Bobby would turn up by then. Three weeks later, the Brazier's Redbird trundled back into Walcott. When they arrived at the home of their friends, Frank and Elizabeth were ready to hear Bobby's joyful bark as he launched himself into their laps. As the car pulled up at the Walcott homestead, the silence was deafening. There was no bark, no leap, no happy reunion. No one had seen Bobby since he disappeared around 20 days earlier. The distraught braziers finally accepted that they would have to make the return journey without their dog. Heartbroken, but still hopeful, they posted notices around Walcott advertising Bobby's disappearance. The posters had specific instructions to send Bobby to Silverton by rail, an expense the braziers were happy to cover. Feeling there was nothing left they could do, Frank and Elizabeth returned to the road without Bobby. By the time the dusty red bird drove back into Silverton, the braziers were relieved to finally be home. It had been a long trip, and they were excited to be reunited with Leona and Nova. However, their joy at returning home was dampened. They now had to tell the girls that Bobby was gone. Inside the Café Rio, the girls heard the Redbird pull up and dashed outside. The small family embraced on the sidewalk. After a few moments of excited greetings, Nova looked around. Where's Bobby? Frank and Elizabeth's expressions grew dark, and they exchanged a quick, silent look. Frank took a breath, then steered the girls inside. He told them about the day in Walcott, the pack of dogs, and their fruitless search. Nova was in disbelief. Bobby couldn't possibly have been lost. He always found his family. He had proven as much when they moved away from the farm. As the girls struggled to accept the truth, they began to cast blame. Why hadn't Frank chased the pack of dogs away? Why hadn't they kept a closer eye on Bobby? Why, oh why, wasn't he on a leash? These were all the things that Frank and Elizabeth had been thinking about their entire journey home. They blamed themselves for Bobby's loss. What was meant to be a joyous reunion after a summer apart had become a somber affair, a painful crash into life without the sunniest member of their clan. Frank and Elizabeth encouraged the girls to hold on to hope they had papered Walcott with signs about Bobby after all. It may only be a matter of time before he was sent to them, the best kind of express delivery. But as the days cooled down and summer was supplanted by fall, the braziers grew less hopeful. Instead of yearning for Bobby to come home to them, they wished that at least a kind family had taken him in. They wanted him to be loved, even if he wasn't getting that love from them. Before anyone knew it, it was a new year, 1924. There had been no word on Bobby. 
With no news about him, there were stretches of time where the braziers had forgotten to be sad. But every now and then, something would remind them. A neighbor out for a walk with their pup, or a customer asking what had happened to the dog that used to greet him outside the cafe each morning. February 15th. 1924 marked exactly six months since Bobby went missing. In their busy restaurant, Elizabeth and her daughters were relaxing as the morning rush died down. Once the tables emptied, Leona and Nova suggested that Frank go upstairs to their apartment to take a nap before the lunch rush. After an early start that morning, he didn't need telling twice. In his bedroom. Frank drew the curtains and collapsed into bed. He fell quickly into a deep sleep. Frank felt as if he just closed his eyes when he was shaken awake by something heavy jumping onto the bed. His eyes snapped open just in time to see a dusty dog snout thrusting towards his face. It only took Frank a moment to look into the dog's eyes and know that it was Bobby. His Bobby, lost on the other side of the country, had returned home. In the doorway, Nova stood laughing with mirth at the reunion. At long last, their dog had come back to them. After the initial greetings were over, the overjoyed family brought Bobby downstairs. They carefully inspected him all over. He was covered in a layer of dirt and mud, and his once lustrous coat was matted and tangled. When last they'd seen him, he looked well-fed. Now, six months of scrounging for food had left him thin and malnourished. His toenails had been worn to the quick, and his paws were raw and bleeding. Together, the family gave Bobby a quick clean, then presented him with the best meal they could think of. A sirloin steak and a bowl of cream. They watched over him as he ate slowly, not used to the sheer volume of food. When he was done, he curled up to sleep right there. At long, long last, his journey was over. It was clear that Bobby had been on an extraordinary odyssey to make his way back home. His family would spend the next weeks wondering just exactly where his quest had taken him, and who helped him along the way. Up next, Bobby's incredible odyssey makes him an international star. Now back to the story. On February fifteenth, nineteen twenty-four, three-year-old collie Bobby wandered into the cafe owned by his family. He was excited to be reunited with Frank and Elizabeth Brazier and Elizabeth's two daughters, Nova and Leona. The previous August, he had been lost outside a gas station in Walcott, Indiana, some two and a half thousand miles away. Now, exactly six months to the day since he had gone missing, Bobby showed up at the Cafe Rio in Silverton, Oregon. He looked a little worse for wear, but was happy to be home. At last, after an indulgent meal of steak and cream, Bobby curled up to sleep and barely moved for three days. As they watched him sleep, his family wished they could ask him how he made his way home. 
They had always assumed that if he came back, it would be because some kind soul in Walcott had rescued him and put him on a train. But taking in Bobby's alarmingly bleak appearance, his worn-out paw pads and his utter exhaustion, they suspected that their faithful collie had found his own way home. News of this unbelievable, unexplainable return began to spread around the small town of Silverton. Before long, word had reached journalists, and an article appeared in the local paper, The Silverton Appeal. Once the appeal story ran, locals began making special trips to the cafe just to see Bobby. His miraculous return earned him an honorific, Bobby the Wonder Dog. Bobby enjoyed the attention. Day after day, friendly visitors slipped him treats and gave him plenty of affection. To celebrate the reunion, the Braziers commissioned a series of photographic portraits. They had a family snap posed with their dog, along with a solo shot of Bobby, who had regained some of the weight he lost on his journey home. While Bobby was enjoying being back in Silverton, news of his return was spreading beyond his small town. In the coming days, stories about the Wonder Dog of Silverton were published in Forest and Stream, the Chicago Tribune, the New York Herald, and National Geographic, just to name a few. Suddenly, Bobby had thousands of admirers across the USA and beyond, and those admirers began to send fan mail to the overnight celebrity. Children wrote to say they wished for a chance to someday meet Bobby or vowed they would have accompanied him on his long journey home. Others wrote simply to share how happy reading the story had made them. There were also letters from four-legged pen pals like Blackberry Chatfield, a black cat whose owner had read about Bobby in a magazine. There were even messages from admirers as far away as Germany and Australia. One particularly enchanted Australian sent a package of dried flowers to Bobby. Many of Bobby's fans requested photographs of the Wonder Dog, with some even including money for postage. The snapshots the family had taken of Bobby came in handy when writing replies. Among the steady stream of letters were intriguing accounts from people who were convinced they had seen him during his journey. A Mrs. Pratt wrote to say she had seen a collie matching Bobby's description crossing the Tippecanoe River in Indiana towards the end of the previous summer. According to Mrs. Pratt, Bobby returned to the same spot a few days later and she welcomed him into her home for the night. After a meal and rest, Bobby took off again at dawn. Further west, a Mrs. Plum in Des Moines, Iowa, remembered welcoming Bobby into her home for a number of weeks in the fall of 1923. Mrs. Plum reported that Bobby made daily visits to a nearby tourist camp, perhaps looking for Frank and Elizabeth. To prove the story, she included photographs she had taken of Bobby while he was there. Carrie Abbey in Denver, Colorado was delighted to report that the Wonder Dog had spent a restful night in her family home on December 6, 1923. Mrs. Abbey recalled Bobby running towards their house and inviting himself in as they drove into the garage. 
She reported that Bobby was very well behaved and was fawned over by the guests at a dinner party she had hosted the same night. As seems to have been his usual pattern, Bobby was on his way in the morning before breakfast had even been served. Mrs. Abby's letter suggests that in the three and a half months since he had been lost, Bobby had traveled at least a thousand miles from Wolcott to Denver. And that's if he took the most direct possible route. It's quite likely that Bobby took a somewhat circuitous route on his way back to Silverton. To this day, it's unclear exactly how Bobby was able to navigate his way back to Silverton. A dog lost somewhere much closer to home could conceivably follow their nose to find their way back. But Bobby went missing over 2,000 miles from Silverton and managed to traverse a continent on his quest to go home. Even the most powerful pooch nose couldn't pick up a trail across that larger distance. One possible explanation for how Bobby found his way home lies in Dog's mysterious magnetic pull. A 2013 study published in Frontiers in Zoology examined Dog's sensitivity to the Earth's magnetic field. The study's authors observed that dogs usually align themselves along the Earth's north-south axis when they relieve themselves. To the scientists, this indicated a magnetosensitivity in canines. In the simplest terms, it seems that dogs have a rudimentary inner compass. It's possible that this strange ability helped point Bobby in the direction he associated with home. And though it took some time, however he did it, Bobby managed to get back to Oregon. The final verified sighting of Bobby came in late January 1924 from Mary Elizabeth Smith of Portland, Oregon. Since leaving Mrs. Abby's home in Denver, Bobby had traveled around 1,200 miles in under two months. Now it seemed he was in genuine need of a caring person to help him cross the final miles home. According to Ralph Friedman's account of Bobby's journey in his book, Tracking Down Oregon, Mary Smith was a kindly older widow with white hair. She took pity on the collie dog when he practically crawled onto her porch one morning in late January of 1924. It seemed to Mary that Bobby was near death. His swollen legs were covered in cuts and scrapes. His friendly eyes seemed irritated, and it's possible he was suffering from a fever. All that day, Mary nursed Bobby. He was too weak to eat, but gladly accepted the water she offered. She cuddled him, sang Irish lullabies, and coated his injured feet in layers of warm paraffin. As the sun set that evening, Bobby got to his feet and shuffled to the door. A look from his grateful eyes was all it took for Mary to know that her guest was ready to move on. She let him out and watched him slowly make his way down the street. It would take Bobby another two weeks to cover the 40 miles from Portland to Silverton. Though there were many suspected sightings of Bobby along his journey, some were skeptical of Bobby's seemingly miraculous return journey. After hearing about Bobby, Colonel E. Hofer 
president of the Oregon Humane Society, decided to investigate. He visited Bobby's family in Silverton and borrowed the letters that mentioned sightings of the collie. Colonel Hofer reached out to the people who had cared for Bobby. He confirmed the tale's veracity by asking questions about Bobby's appearance. The people who had cared for Bobby were able to identify distinct physical features, including the scars from his early years on the farm and his chipped teeth. The colonel deemed that Bobby's amazing story was true. Though the seal of approval from the Oregon Humane Society was nice to have, Frank and his family already knew that Bobby's journey was genuine, and it seemed to have captured the hearts of the entire nation. Everyone wanted a piece of Bobby's extraordinary legacy. His hometown of Silverton presented him with the key to the city. The Humane Society gifted him with a medal, and Bobby was invited to be a star attraction at the 1924 Home Beautifying Exposition in Portland. There, he received a large dog bungalow designed to look like a miniature house, complete with windows, curtains, and silk drapes. Bobby's fame was a huge draw for the home show. Some 40,000 people attended the event, with many queuing for hours for a chance to see and pet the famous Wonder Dog. By all accounts, Bobby wasn't in great spirits at the event. He was on display for hours on end, subjected to loud noises, excited fans, and more than a few enthusiastic pokes from young children. However, one white-haired visitor elicited a happier response from the seemingly despondent dog. Mary Smith, who had sung Bobby Irish lullabies, was shepherded to the front of the line on the event's opening day. When he saw her, Bobby gave an excited bark and rushed forward. He jumped up and proceeded to deliver a flurry of loving kisses to the lined face of this welcome guest. Clearly, her kindness hadn't been forgotten. Once the expo was over, Bobby and his bungalow made the return journey to Silverton, this time on the back of a flatbed truck. The house was installed outside the Café Rio and became something of a local tourist attraction. After his time at the expo, life became much quieter for Bobby. Though he starred in a short, fictionalized film about his journey, the movie lost money. He may have been a bona fide celebrity, but it seemed Bobby wasn't destined for a life in the pictures. He was, however, cut out to be a father. He sired a litter of 15 puppies. Most of the pups were given away as gifts, including to some of the kind souls who had cared for Bobby along his journey. One, a boy named Pal, was kept by Bobby's family, and the pair lived happily together at the Café Rio. Though he was happy and comfortable, Bobby's hard journey had clearly taken a toll on the collie's body. His vet suspected that he had contracted pneumonia on the trip. Having to forage and hunt for food in the wild had given Bobby a taste for raw meat and bones. 
and this preference had possibly given him ulcers. In the spring of 1927, just three years after he completed his journey, newspapers carried word around the country that Bobby had been checked into the local animal hospital. Devoted fans sent letters and prayers wishing him a speedy recovery. On April 6th, Bobby, the Wonder Dog, slipped quietly away at the age of seven. Frank and his family decided to bury Bobby at the Oregon Humane Society's Animal Cemetery. His iconic bungalow doghouse was placed alongside his grave, announcing his import to any who came near. Even amongst dogs, Bobby was a celebrity. Film star Rin Tin Tin showed up to lay a wreath at his grave. Around 200 people attended the funeral, and a homing pigeon delivered condolences from well-wishers. In the years since his return to Silverton, his star had never lost its luster. In 1932, Silverton began holding an annual pet parade through the streets of the town. In honor of Bobby, the first parade was led by his son, Pow. To this day, the parade continues to delight and unite the town of Silverton in the love they share for their faithful pets. The parade might not be a 2,000-mile journey, but anyone will tell you, it doesn't matter where you start. It's the coming home that matters. Thanks for listening to Dog Tales. Every dog has his day, and our day is Mondays. We'll be back then with a new episode. You can find more episodes of Dog Tales and all other podcast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite podcast originals like Dog Tales for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Dog Tales on Spotify, just open the app and type Dog Tales in the search bar. Several of you have asked how to help us. If you enjoy the show, the best way to help is to leave a five-star review. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Parcast and Twitter at Parcast Network. Join us next week for another good story about a good dog. Dog Tales was created by Max Cutler and is a Parcast Studios original. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Trent Williamson, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, Isabella Way, and Joel Stein. This episode of Dog Tales was written by Joel Callan, with writing assistance by Erin Lan. I'm Alastair Murden. Dog Tales.